This is The Wrap, episode 48, a weekly show bringing you up to speed on things that I consider to be newsworthy and fun from the past week. Today is Friday, September 20th, 2013. I'm your host, TJ. So let's start off with our box office report from the um, that I posted on Monday. Uh, this one is uh, number one in the box office would be Insidious, Chapter 2. It had a budget of $5 million and it brought in $41 million over the weekend, and that is its current total as of Monday for the first weekend it was out in the theaters. This film looks dreadful to me, but uh, Chad Hopkins, uh, my uh, oftentimes co-host, uh, current co-host on the Movie Bite podcast, uh, he said that he liked the film. It's I, I think the problem is it's just not really a genre that I have all that much interest in, and it has raked in eight times its production budget. So that's, uh, I suppose the studios would consider that a huge win, the studios that produced that film. So Insidious Chapter 2, number one at the box office. Number two is uh, The Family, uh, De Niro and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, weekend number one, uh, it had a budget of $30 million. It brought in $14.5 million over its first weekend. Uh, so it has quite a ways to go to, to get to even to make it to break even, but um yeah, I, you know, it looks like it, it looks like it could be good, but it looks mostly like it's probably bad. I mean, probably trying to be too funny for its own good and, and probably not a lot of good story there and probably a lot of needless, uh, language, you know, so, uh, anyway, it was number two, number three at the box office was Riddick for its second weekend out. It was, as you might recall, on a budget of $38 million. It brought in $7 million over the weekend. Um, so its current total is $53.2 million worldwide. So it's now a good, a little bit over its budget, which is, I suppose, a good thing, and I suppose more will be made. I can only hope that next time they won't feel the need to put in needless nudity. Uh, number four at the box office, Lee Daniels' The Butler. This is weekend number five for The Butler. Uh, it brought in $5.6 million over the weekend. It is now at $100 million total. It was made on a budget of $30 million, so that's obviously a huge win. Uh, it, it, I was turned off by the fact that Oprah was in it, and so I just haven't wanted to see it. But it's number four, and it's, and it's fifth weekend, so it's doing quite well. Uh, number five was We're the Millers. Uh, I don't even want to talk about this film. Why is it? Why is this still a thing? Why is it still in the box office? It's made $201.3 million worldwide on a $37 million budget. Number six, Instructions Not Included. I've never even heard of this film. As I mentioned the first time it was on the charts, uh, it was either last week. I can't remember if it's been on the charts for two weeks or three weeks now. Uh, but it's at $26.6 million uh, total, and budget has not been released for this film. So we have no idea how that scales, uh, how that looks compared to its budget. But I would assume that this film is pretty much of an indie film, so they probably didn't spend a lot on it. Uh, so kind of weird. It just sort of came out of nowhere. Number seven, Planes, on a budget of $50 million. It is up to $138.7 million worldwide. So not quite the disaster I would have thought, and yet probably not what Disney was hoping to get from it, I would think, either. But, you know, uh, and I'm certainly not interested in the film. But a lot of people said it's better than I would have expected. But all that said, I really don't have much interest in the film. Number eight, One Direction, This Is Us. This is the uh, documentary kind of thing that they did on the boy band One Direction. I... (sighs) 57.8 57.8 million is what it's made worldwide for its uh, third weekend out on a budget of 10 million. So obviously a huge success and it has more uses than just as a film making money. Obviously it is, um, it is uh, promoting the band and, and publicity for them and whatever. <clears throat> so moving on uh, into some news, the Disney CFO wants to spend less on original films. Yes, you heard me correctly. This is according to Brett Lang, Brent Lang, over on therap.com, not to be confused with this podcast, which I titled The Rap before I'd even heard of therap.com. Uh, Jay Rasulu, Rasulo, I'm so bad with names, 
said keeping costs lower will help the risk help with risk management. Walt Disney will be more judici- judicious when it comes to greenlighting the next big budget film that doesn't feature a member of, of the Marvel of the Marvel Comics or Star Wars universe. And this is kind of a facepalm moment for me. I mean, I think what we need to be focusing on here is more and better original stories, not more and more and more uh, franchise films, which is exactly what uh, um, what what he's angling at here. He says later in the article, there's a, there's need there needs to be a cap on tentpole non franchise movies. And this is the wrong idea to me, uh, but. <laughs> Yeah, it's just so frustrating because, you know, I like good franchise films as much as the next person, but I think there needs to be a balance in the in the world here. And we have such a, a weight towards the franchise films that we're not seeing the original films that we want to see anymore. And, you know, he I mean, I think the, the Lone Ranger was brought up and they cite the Lone Ranger as quite the the loss for them, which is a, a reason why they need to, to do this. And yes, technically, The Lone Ranger was a original film, but it was so derivative of, of previous works as, you know, Johnny Depp being Johnny Depp and Jerry Bruckheimer kind of doing the formula thing. I would think this proves, though, if you if you take a really actual good analysis of the situation, that it's quite the opposite of what he's saying. We need to stop dumping quite as much money in the franchise films and start developing real original material. But that's not what he took away from it. So that's kind of frustrating. Justin Bieber, uh, he posted a picture um, on Twitter holding up a script for the Batman Superman film, Man of Steel 2, as we're calling it at the moment. And uh, he did it with the uh, hashtag Robin question mark, question mark, two question marks. And I, I can only say this. If Justin Bieber is in Man of Steel 2, I will not see that movie. I will not see that movie. Uh, maybe I'm sitting my case too harshly. Maybe I, I probably will have to, seeing that I run a film website and a, po- a couple of podcasts about films and we'll need to have an opinion but i don't want to if justin bieber is in the film i want nothing to do with it the hunger games catching fire is predicted to reach 950 million i don't know how these people come up with these totals but that's what they're projecting Lionsgate, uh, uh, lion's gate's upcoming the hunger games catching fire is projected to gross 950 million in worldwide box office according to a new wall street anal- analyst report Alan Goud of Evercore predicted the film starring Jennifer Lawrence will gross $375 million domestically and another $575 million internationally. Last year's The Hunger Games grossed $408 million in the U.S. and another $283 million overseas. Like I said, I don't know where they, how they calculate these numbers or whatever, but The Hunger Games was a good film, and I'm expecting this one to be better. So if that's the case, then that won't hurt my feelings at all, and I'll be happy to see it doing well. I really like the Hunger Games series, so I hope that's true. Can a movie reboot save Stargate? That is a question posed by Darren over at GateWorld.net. He says, I think the feature film reboot could be a very, very good thing for Stargate. It's not the version of Stargate that I want the most right now, but it's the version that has the best chance of bringing the franchise back to life. And then in another part of the article, he says a rebooted film trilogy helmed by established names and given a significant budget would be a huge injection of life into Stargate's dying embers. It won't be the same as Stargate SG-1, Atlantis, or SGU, no. But it will be Stargate, and it will bring millions of new people into the broader world of our fandom. Uh, Here's the thing, I hear what he's saying, but I would rather let Stargate die than to reboot it into something that I don't like. Uh, I... I like very much. I have a great love for Stargate SG-1 and just as much love for Stargate Atlantis, not so much for Stargate Universe. I feel like that's what destroyed Stargate. And I, I get what he's saying. He's a fan of the concept. I'm a fan of the of the 
the characters. I'm I, I'm very much when I get into a TV show, it's usually for me about the characters as much as it is. I mean, it needs to be a good concept and it needs to be good sci-fi if it's sci-fi or good drama if it's a drama. Although good sci-fi should have good drama, but you know, I, I just I feel like um, what's happened here is that uh, Roland Emmerich, who who would be doing this reboot, he has no respect or love at all for the TV franchise, and, and you know, on the one hand, you can't blame him. Because he kind of lost his baby. Like, he had this film trilogy in mind when he made the first Stargate film. And then they made a TV series out of it. They had, you know, MGM had the rights and they did it. And he was never a fan of it. He didn't like it. He wanted to get it back. He wanted to do his own thing. He didn't, and he doesn't acknowledge the presence of the TV series in the in the canon. And so that that's frustrating to me. Uh, I mean, at some point he has to acknowledge, okay, this is really successful. People love it. People who loved my film love it. There are very few people who love the film who don't also love the TV series, so let's move on in that world. But no, he can't do that, and so I think that's what I find frustrating, and I'd just rather let the franchise die. Darren is not of that opinion over at GateWorld.net, so check out the article linked in the show notes. You'll be able to read his full opinion, and it's worthy of consideration for sure. Gwyneth Paltrow says she's probably not in Avengers 2. Uh, and that's kind of a bummer. There's a video here of her saying that she just she hasn't received that phone call yet uh, if she is going to be in it. So that's not a good sign. Uh, so and that's, you know, it, it's understandable on the one hand because it's such a big ensemble film. But on the other, it's, you know, it's like, oh, well, I like Pepper Potts. I, I wish she was in the Avengers. But, man, there's already so many characters in that universe and that will be pulled together in the Avengers, too. That, and, and she had such a bit role in the Avengers that it's not really surprising, nor is it um nor is it something I'm super concerned about. You know what? If if the film is better off because they've got so many characters already and they have to cut somebody somewhere or can't work somebody in, fine. Uh, I'm willing to live with that. Maybe I, I would like to see though at some point her have a bigger role in one of the big films like the Avengers. Uh, even you know, I, I even feel like sometimes she doesn't have as big a role as she could in in uh, the Iron Man film. So that's you know that's the news there, and it's a little disappointing, but understandable. And uh, speaking of Joss Whedon's uh, The Avengers, Joss Whedon did rewrites for Thor The Dark World, according to Kevin Jagernath over at The Playlist. Uh, faced with some story issues on the super sequel, there was only there was only one man who could save the day, Marvel guru and fanboy fave Joss Whedon. Joss came in to save our lives a couple of times, Taylor told SFX via comic book movie. We had a major scene that was not working on the page at all in London, and he basically got airlifted in like a SWAT team or something. He came down, rewrote the scene, and before he got back on the plane, I grabbed him and said, and this scene, and this scene, and he wrote two other scenes that I had that I had problems with. Then finally we let him go, and he took off again, and we shot the scenes, and they were just so much better. And that, 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 to me, that's very, very good news. You know, some people were like, "Oh, well, that just means that Thor was a troubled production." No, I mean that's fine. I think that uh, Joss uh, is is good at many things, but probably his pro- most prominent strength is his writing, his screenwriting. And so, I'm glad to hear that he was able to come in and help that. And I hope that the film will be better for it. J.K. Rowling will have final say over the Potter spinoff script for uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, the, the the upcoming film that I talked about last week. Um, and, uh, I think this is a very good thing. Uh, it, it's, uh, you know, I know she's a first time screenwriter and, and writing for the screen is different than writing a book, but I like Rowling's books so much and I feel like she's such a good writer and I feel like where I had problems with the films was where they would differ from what I would have felt like Rowling would have done were she writing the screenplay. You know, I realize that, 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 you know, writing, as I said, writing for the screen is different and translating books to screen is different, but, 
I'm I'm willing to to say you know what I think this is going to be a good thing for this upcoming film. So I go back and forth on how excited I am about this, as I mentioned last week, and as I also talked about in the Movie Bike podcast this week uh, on Wednesday with Chad. Um, you know, I go back and forth on how excited I am about this because what I really wanted, of course, was more Harry and Ron and Hermione, which I'm not getting. So we'll see how this goes, but I, I think this is a good thing for this film. And finally, before I sign off, let's talk about what there is to see this weekend. The box office is in a bit of a, a, a slump, but there is one new film that I'll recommend this weekend, and that is Prisoners. Uh, and I only recommend it – I don't really recommend it. I just note it to you because I haven't seen it yet. I'll actually be seeing it this weekend. It is rated R uh, for language and disturbing violent content and torture. Uh, and there's something about it that – about the idea, at least, of the story that that resonates with me as a parent. How far would you go for your child? You know, the idea here, um, you know, is that uh, the girls are kidnapped and the parents are going, you know, <laughs> of course, trying to get their daughters back and there's a suspect and they're pretty sure that he he kidnapped them and, and you know, so how far are you willing to go? So there's, you know, there's certainly something compelling there as a parent. And yet it is rated R. Um, there was another film that was sort of like this, at least at least from the kidnapping perspective, earlier this year, The Call with Halle Berry. And the first two acts of that film were good, and then the third act, the film completely fell apart and just went to a terrible place. And I think that the mistake that they often make is they feel like they need to bring the script around for revenge. And I think that's a mistake. I think that's always a mistake. You you put your protagonist on the same level as the uh, the perpetrators of the crime, and that never works well. It's not nearly as satisfying as it sounds on paper, and it just never works right. So I'm worried about that aspect, but we'll see. I don't. It, it will depend on a lot of factors. So I'm, I'm willing to give it a chance, and I'll be seeing it this weekend. Still in theaters is The Family, Riddick, Lee Daniels' The Butler, We're the Millers, Planes, Elysium, Percy Jackson, Sea of Monsters, and The World's End. For more on how I feel about those films and whether or not I think you might ought to see them, whether I think they're any good or not, be sure to uh, visit my article that's linked up in the show notes. Well, that is all for this week. Uh, if you want to view those show notes, you can do so online at moviebyte.com slash the wrap slash 48. If you would like to keep up with MovieByte, you can do that also at uh, twitter.com slash MovieByte. Uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash MovieByte. You can also keep up with me on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash Pro. I tweet out pithy comments and things uh, from time to time. Uh, I usually tweet three or four times a day or sometimes a little more. Some people <laughs> say that I tweet too much, but, you know, <clears throat> it depends on the day. It really does and, and what's going on. But that's all I've got for this week, and I hope you have a fantastic weekend, and we'll talk to you next week.